Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. One more time, say surrender. Now, this, everything that we've gone through, right, the students, myself, Things that, that, that I had no idea, I have no control over, right? And, and, and you think that especially when you're in ministry, you're good, right? Especially in ministry that, that God got your back, which he does. Don't get me wrong. He has your back. But I feel like uh, I've gotten attacked big time, right? I'm not here to, to talk about my negativity. But I feel like this year, a lot of personal hits to my family, to, to me, to, to my husband in, in different areas. And, and, and I felt like I just had to let go and surrender to God. Not just me, but even my students, I would talk with them and have one-on-one check-ins, and I would realize something, that by the end of the year, I feel like our theme was surrender because we had to give a lot of things up. And so I'm going to kind of walk you through Scripture. If if you have your your Bible, would you stand to me in honor of the Word of God and turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. Again, if you don't have it, it's up on the screen for you. But but while you're searching for that, uh, surrender can mean so many things, right? Uh, A lot of people... Remember it as a white flag, you know, throwing in the towel, giving up, uh, giving in, just uh, quitting, right? But, but today I'm going to kind of cover it more in a sense of sacrifice. Now say sacrifice. sacrifice. Surrender and sacrifice go hand in hand. You'll see what I mean in a second. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26 says this. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. In other words, he went to grill them, right? He went to, 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 to nudge them because they asked a silly question. And this is what he tells them. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? Bow your heads right where you are. God, I thank you for this word this morning, Lord. Open up our hearts, as simple as that. God, I pray that we wouldn't hold up any walls, that we wouldn't uh, try to get distracted by any thought or doubt, God. And I pray, Lord, and I declare over this house, just breakthrough and freedom in the name of Jesus. What it is that we have to surrender to you, my God, is nothing compared to what you're going to give to us in return. So we thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, just kind of a a little bit of a background of what's taking place here, right? This is... uh, Jesus is kind of talking to his disciples, right? And he's telling them, you know, uh, it's kind of the, the Easter scene, right? Right before Jesus gets crucified. And he's having this conversation with his disciples and he's telling them, you know, just so you guys know, this is a quick heads up, right? I'm going to die and suffer a, a, a great death. I'm going to go through hurt and abuse and pain, right? And after I go through that suffering, I'm going to die. And after I die, I'm going to rise again, right? And so as he's having this conversation, he's kind of updating his disciples. Peter kind of stops him. And Peter tells him, oh, no, 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 I, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I, re- I don't want that to happen, you know, and we're going to pray otherwise. And, and while he's having this conversation with Jesus, you know, and I feel for Peter, right? He's trying to protect his leader. He's trying to let Jesus know, like, you know, don't worry, I got your back. Ain't nothing going to happen. You No harm will come your way, Jesus. But in the middle of that, Jesus says, whoa, bro, in, in other words, forgive me, but shut up, right? In fact, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he tells Peter, if only you knew why I was doing this very thing that I'm about to enter into. If only you knew why I was going to endure this suffering or enter into this suffering. So in other words, you're not thinking straight, Peter. I appreciate the fact that you care about me and my well-being. 
But this has to be in motion for all these other things to come about, the redemption of mankind. This has to take place. This has to happen. So, in other words, Jesus kind of, I don't know if we still use the word molded, but in my family we say he got molded, right? Peter thought he was doing a great act, but in reality he was doing the very opposite of, of what Jesus was trying to do with his father. And then that's what we pick up in, verse, in the verses that, that we read this morning. Then we pick up in verse 24 to 26 where Jesus seems a little worried now, right? In other words, he thought that he had trained them the right way. He thought that he had discipled them the right way, that they would think with a spiritual mindset and not so much a flesh mindset. Peter meant well, like I said, but he was thinking with the flesh mindset. He didn't understand the the greater cause. He didn't understand what Jesus was about to enter into. And so I think we have that sometimes. We have good intentions, right? God, let me go ahead and just move this hand off of this situation or your hand off of this situation because... Blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. But if only you knew, he has his hand there for a reason. God, if you would just take me out of this certain thing that I'm going through for a moment. But if only you knew, that was necessary. That is necessary. And so that's kind of this conversation that Peter is having with Jesus and Jesus with Peter. And that's what we read right here. I feel like Jesus is at this point where he's like, I don't think my followers quite get it yet. Right? And after being with them, discipling them, and all these things, they're thinking with their flesh. They're not thinking with the spiritual mindset. And so that's when he says, if you want to be a part of my crew, right, I'll put it in, 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 in our terms, right, in the east side. If you want to be a part of my crew, this is what it's going to take. And that's where that scripture is. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want? But lose yourself. Now, this is pretty much what Jesus is saying to his followers here. First thing he's saying is, first of all, forget about who you are and focus on who I am. Just for a split second. Forget about who you are. And in other versions, just deny yourself. Let go of every mindset, every thought. And so that comes with background. That comes with negative things in our past. That comes with positive things in our past or, or in our present, right? Never mind that you're a CEO of a company. Deny yourself. And focus on me just for a split second. Never mind that, that you've come from a rough background. Just for a moment, deny yourself, and I'll show you what I'm about to do with your life. And that's the first thing that Jesus does with his disciples. He tells them to take the focus off of you and let me be the, the one that, that in the driver's seat, as you just read, right? Not in an arrogant way. I know it could come off as, eh, Jesus is being hecka arrogant, right? no. But I'm pretty sure if he's the one that created my life, he knows what to do with it better than what I know what to do with it. You know? If he's the author and finisher of my faith, then I should probably let go of the steering wheel and just ride shotgun and let him continue to drive on this journey. And that's what he's telling him. Just deny yourself. Forget about who you are. All right? Never mind. You know, take this, the focus off of you and, and focus on who I am. And I can't tell you how many times that's relieved me in so many situations. When I just surrender everything, right, I try to ask my husband. I'm like a control freak sometimes. I, I have to have my hands in everything, right, the finances, right, uh, you know, the human video that we've been practicing. He's the mastermind behind it. He has that creative mind. I'm just a speaker. He's the one that does the art behind the speaking, right? And, and every time I, I try to come in, ask masters, I'll come in a sanctuary, right, just to kind of peek, and, and he's in the middle of something. I was like, oh, well, what if we, he's like, I got it, babe. I'm like, all right, I'll just go back to my office. I'll just, you know, play with my little buttons in my office, right? And so... I've noticed that, that it's easier when I just let go of the wheel and let him take care of everything because he knows what to do at those moments, right? Especially this past season, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's been a rough season, right? N- nothing, you know, to where, oh, she can't pass. You know, no, 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 we all go through hardships. And in this past season, I, I just feel like 
not maybe me, but people that I love, right? Certain attacks coming from left and right, right? And having to surrender that, having to give that up, it's a tough thing for me. But when I begin to focus on what he's saying, deny yourself, in other words, forget about those things and focus on who I am, it begins to open up all these different areas of my life. I begin to see the blessings of God fall over me. And if you're in that position, you feel like, man, I'm trying to take control of everything, let me give you some advice. Step out of the driver's seat. Step out of the driver's seat and let him lead. Let him do what he's supposed to do. Another thing I realized with this is, secondly, he tells them, in other words, embrace the hardships. Deny yourself, right? Take the focus off you and focus on me. Secondly, embrace the hardships ahead. We know it as take up your cross, right? My pastor in my old church would, would talk about that all the time. You know, take up your cross. You know, you got to follow Jesus. And, and I've never understood what that meant. I would say it because it sounds cool. Like, oh, cool. Like, I imagine myself taking my cross the way Jesus did, right? Maybe minus all the suffering and all the, the, the whippings and whatnot. But, but that's the way I thought about it. But what he's saying here is, is embrace the hardships. What are hardships? It's easy to, to love God and to enjoy his presence, especially when you're a new believer. Especially when you're a new believer. And then you start getting a little deeper in your relationship with God. And the enemy's aware of that, right? And so he tries to pull strings here and there and try to get you to doubt your, your salvation, get you to doubt your faith. And he, and he comes at you in every angle. But like James said in chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kinds. That's probably the, the most, oh, I don't want to say that about the word of God, the most silliest thing that, that any person going through hardships would hear, right? That's like you going in, in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of disease, in the middle of sickness, and someone coming up to you and say, hey, man, have joy. Be of good cheer. That's not what you want to hear at the moment. That's not the very words you want to hear at that moment. And, and, and Jesus knows that, but do you know that? And that's kind of why he's checking in with his disciples. Let me kind of break it to you. He's saying, let me break it to you this way, disciples. First of all, deny yourself. Secondly, take up your cross. In other words, embrace what's coming ahead, the sufferings. Jesus speaking, I got to go through it, and so you're not exempt from it. I don't have to go through it. I don't know sin. I've never knew sin. But still, I'm, I have to go through suffering. And so it probably makes sense that you should endure suffering the same way he's endured suffering. Embrace the hardships, whether they're ahead or even if they're right now in your life. The last thing you want to hear is consider it pure joy, right? The last thing you want to hear is, 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 is be of good cheer or, or take joy in what's taking place. No, you don't want to hear that. But if you want to be a follower of Christ and you want to give everything to him, that's one of the things it's going to take. You might be fine and dandy where you're at right now. Well, guess what? Ahead, not speaking into existence, but you're going to run into something. Ahead, you're going to, something's going to throw you off course, but, but you have to have the ability to have a foundation that's so strong that just makes you feel like you ignore, the, not necessarily ignore, but, but you don't really dwell on those things as much. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. Secondly, embrace the hardships ahead. And even if it's depression, right? Even if it's grieving the loss of a loved one, even if it's, you know, disease, like I mentioned, all of those things are, are under that category. Whatever it is, the loneliness you feel, the divorce you're encountering, whatever those things are, embrace those hardships. Know that the suffering is going to be for something great. Know that it's gonna, there's, there's meaning to all these things that are taking place. And the third thing is, he says is, is consider the cost and, and come, right? In other words, after you forget about who you are and focus on me, Right? Denying yourself. After you embrace the hardships of, uh, ahead or taking up your cross, lastly, what I want you to do is consider the cost and come. Calculate everything, right? In other words, knowing that, that, that you have to deny yourself, knowing that there's going to be hard times ahead, can you still pause and want to follow me thinking about everything you're going to have to go through as a disciple? 
Can you still follow me knowing that you're going to have to deny yourself and get rid of your riches? Get ri whether you're poor or rich, get rid of the, the stuff you don't have or your limitations or your mindset. Can you deny those things? And secondly, can you embrace the hardships so that you can come and follow me? And that's kind of this journey he's taking these disciples through. If you can deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you understand the cost of discipleship. You understand what it, what it means to follow me. Follow me. You know, you understand what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I noticed something with the students this past year. A lot of them are gifted in so many things. They're talented. They, they can write songs. They can sing like crazy, like amazing voices. I kid you not. Right? They, they're gifted at organizing, administration. They're gifted at, at speaking. At, all these different things. I've noticed something. They're very talented in different elements, every single one of them. From my first-year leaders to my second-year leaders. Every single one of them are gifted and talented. But this season, I've noticed that the one that's great at singing didn't even do anything with singing this past year. The one that's gifted at, at writing or the one that's gifted at speaking or the one that's gifted in all these different areas didn't even touch those areas, that didn't polish them, didn't do any of those things. And it didn't make sense to me because one of them, Anna, she's an amazing singer. Mookie, an amazing singer. And you're going to hear them in a second. But one thing I noticed is that there was, they didn't, you know, uh, come to polish their singing ability. And I thought that that's what would take place. They didn't come to polish that. But, but what did take place with them? There was no specific class to polish them in anything. But every single one of them have one common denominator. They, they want healing in their life. They, they want to surrender things and, and their giftings and their abilities. They, they want something more than, than what everyone else in the world knows them for. I, honest to God, you can ask my siblings, I had no idea that I had the ability to speak. I talked a lot. I would talk a lot of trash when I was younger, but I never knew, I never knew, true story, I never knew that I had the ability and the gifting to speak. And then I run into people like Pastor Dan and Pastor Nick and Pastor Matt and Sister Ange who holds me accountable, and they begin to bring these things out of me. And, and, and what I was known, I don't even know, what, I was good at sports, right? I was good at, I played basketball, I did all these, you know, softball track, and, but I didn't touch those things that I was gifted at. And all these other things in my life begin to get polished. And, and I noticed something, this is what it means, right? When you have someone who's a great singer, but is not even polishing that gift, someone who's a great organizer, not even polishing that gift, why are they here in Master's Commission? One thing we believe in, it's in our bylaws, it's in our standards. Character is better than talent, Character is better than talent. That's, that's an old adage. That's an old saying. Everybody knows what that means. But I feel like we've never quite lived what that means. We never quite lived it out. A lot of us are quick to, to figure out, all right, God, what's my purpose? What do you want me to do? What's next in line for me? But you, have you ever taken the time to check this thing right here called your heart? Have you ever taken the time to see what the intentions are for you wanting to pursue those dreams? I'm not saying it's bad a dream. Trust me, I'm not. That's what I encourage with these students. But if your heart is not in the right place, then how can you want God to bring you to a place where you can't even have control over it yet? Amen. You don't even know what to do. All of these people that, that, are, that, that are here this year didn't even, you know, barely started singing in the worship team later on. Didn't take no classes or nothing. But they know one thing, and we all believe it. Character is better than talent. And that's what Matthew 16 says. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? Right? What kind of deal is that? I think that's a bad deal. It's a bad, bad, it's a bad gamble. To get everything you desire in life, that position. 
to get everything you desire in life, that dream to come true, everything you desire in life, that kid you've been waiting for, everything you desire in life, that marriage to be restored, your kids to come back to Christ. What good does it mean to have all those desires but lose your soul at the same time? In other words, things are not right in your heart. You get that promotion. Can you handle the pressure? Your kids come back. Can you parent them? Right? You, you, you know, you, you have a child and, and, you know, there's different situations out there, but, but do you have the ability... What is God doing in the background, in other words? There's something taking place that you don't even see and you don't even know about. What does a surrendered life look like? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, character is better than talent. And uh, I read this in a book. I think it was Drawing Near. I want to say it was Drawing Near by John Bevere. But there's something he talks about with the presence of God. And it's not about pursuing purpose. It's about pursuing presence. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not about pursuing purpose. It's about pursuing presence. A lot of us, and, 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 and I'm, I'm guilty of it sometimes, we come into worship services because we need something. We want something. We, we want our life to get back in order again. And so we pursue God, and, and we tell God, you know what, give me these dreams. Give me these victories. Give me, but, but God is just like, I just want you. I want you to want my presence more than you want the things that I can offer you. I want you to spend time with me. And that's what they've done. They've had this choice in their mind where as great as I am at doing all these giftings and talents, there's one thing I desire, and that's to know your presence, God. Because if I can know how to be a better person in who you've called me to be, then any area that I go into, I'm automatically great at what I do. If I learn how to spend time in your presence, I automatically become an awesome worship leader. If I know how to spend time in your presence, I automatically know what it's like to be an administrator. If I know how to spend time in your presence, I know what it's like to be focused in whatever area you call me to. Why? Because I'm learning how to be the best me that I can be. And when I learn how to be the best me that I can be, send me anywhere you want. I'm going to tear it up. Send me anywhere you want. I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to know what to do. So what does a surrendered life look like? What do you do when hardships come your way? Because it's real. And if you haven't encountered any hardships, when, 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 you, do, when you do come to that, that road where, where things begin to just weigh down on you, do you surrender your life at that point? Do you give God everything? Or do you pause your relationship with God and say, God, let me go through what I need to go through, and I'll come back when I'm done? What's the point of him? What's the point of the cross? What's the point of restoration? What's the point of all the things that he's done for your life? Healing. Everything he's done 2,000 years ago. What's the point of all of that taking place if you're going to pause your life so you can go through your hurt, so you can go through your pain? In fact, if there's anyone who understands more, it's probably him. He doesn't cause these things to happen in our life, and sometimes it feels like that. I've had conversations this past week with, with somebody outside of our church that told me, how can I trust God? You haven't seen our bills that we have. I just got a kid, and I got a girl. And how do you expect me to trust God when nothing is lining up right now? I'm dope at rapping. He's telling me this. I'm dope at rapping. Great family friend. I'm, I'm dope at doing what, you've, what, what God has given me talents to do. Then why ain't my life in order the way it should be? Right? And he's pausing on God. So, so what? You, you can figure it out? Uh, it's us sometimes. We do that. But what does a surrendered life look like? I'll tell you what a surrendered life looks like. It looks like one of my first year students. I want to say it was a year, maybe coming up on a year, where her dad passes away. And she comes into Master's Commission because she wants to draw closer to God. And every change that's happened in her life this past year, I would want my father to be there. But she doesn't have him around to celebrate those moments. 
She doesn't have him around to, to let him know, look at what I'm doing, Dad. And we know he's watching in heaven. But how do you surrender your life to God knowing that you're putting your life on hold to give everything to God and you just wish the biggest fan in your life was there to watch from the sidelines? That's what surrendering looks like. Surrendering looks like another one of my students. Comes from parents that were addicts. In fact, he's been snooping around himself and trying different drugs out here and there. That's all he knew. He didn't know what it was like to feel loved by a mom or, or a dad early on in his life. Maybe he came on later on. So he had to raise himself, literally, such an independent young man. And in Masters, I wonder sometimes, why? Why, why, why Elijah? Why, why? But, but then I hear a story, and he's had to fend for himself his whole life. He's had to raise himself, get his own car, get his own promotions at work, do everything on his own. That's what a surrendered life looks like. And there's an individual who thought she came to get better at her worship skills and singing. And then we start to talk more. First quarter of Master's Commission, fire class, where you start talking about deep things that you've never shared with anybody else. For us to go out there and, and, and gossip, no, absolutely not. But we believe some of us stay hidden with the things that have happened to us, and that's like a stake in our life that prevents us from moving forward until we talk about it with somebody. Until we have somebody to help us kind of guide, guide us through that moment. I didn't know what to do when things happened to me when I was younger, and I thank God that there were people around to kind of maneuver me through that moment. But that's what a surrendered life looks like, having to sit your family down and tell them something crazy that happened to you when you were young, and they had no idea that it took place. Or lastly, it can be like an individual who is alone, was alone, I should say, who was depressed, who, who, who wanted acceptance and value, but he always just felt like nobody understood him, always felt like nobody got him, always felt like nobody even you know, got to hear what was going on in his mind. That's what a surrendered life looks like, is knowing all these mind games that are going on, but still saying, ah, God, I just got to follow you, though. I know something's going to happen for me. And I'm sure I can hear some of our stories, but I feel like we don't know what to do with it. When you surrender your life to God, that means that everything that you've gone through and everything you will go through becomes worship to him. And then when it becomes worship to him, it becomes a foundation for other people to look at you and see, wow. There's something spectacular that just happened in T's life. And everything points back up. Because they see what, what we're doing. They see how, how, how mobile God is in our life. And it doesn't bring glory to us. But they can see we lay a foundation for them. People are able to look and see, man, I, I want that. There's got to be some way I, I can contribute to society, share my story. I'm not saying you got to tell everybody their mom out there. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it's not meant for you to just stay there and, and, and be silent about things that have happened in your life. What does a surrendered life look like? You know, I've kind of talked a little bit much about their stories. But rather than having me tell you, I'd rather them show you themselves. got you in my stories and you know I tell them right. I remember you and I when I'm awake at night. Give it up for falling glory. Never got to say goodbye. I wish I could ask for just a bit more time. 
takes every step I take. He used to lead the way. Now I'm terrified to face it on my own. You're not there to celebrate the woman you made. You're not there to share in my success and mistakes. Is it fair? You'll never know the person I'll be. You're not there with me. Cause you're not there to celebrate the woman you made. You're not there to share in my success and mistakes. Is it fair? You'll never know the person I'll be. You're not there with me. You see, this is my story. Being raised by a mother who was addicted to drugs was never easy. I remember growing up questioning my mom. Mom, do you love me? Yes, mijo. Then why can't you quit doing drugs for me? It's not that easy, Elijah. You see, I can never fully believe that my mom loved me because she couldn't stop hurting me. You see, neglection from a father really hurts. And when I was a child, I grew up with this void in my heart. And all I wanted was my dad to love me. And I couldn't understand why he didn't love me. Where was my greater example? Where was the man that was supposed to teach me how to be a man? Waiting for your dad to say he's proud of you? I'm still waiting. You see, when you grow up in a tough environment, your surroundings can limit you from the success you can have in your own life. It was difficult believing that I'd amount to anything. Everything around me is all I'll ever be. Selling drugs like my mom to make ends meet? You see, that was a lifestyle my environment chose for me. You should sit down for this. Father, sit down, Father, sit down. You should sit down for this. Family, I can take it. Heart is palpitating. Trying to tell you something I've been holding on. Trying to tell you something I've been hiding from. You was a family man, but I was only just a girl and I break down. Father, can you save me? Can you change the way this happened? Can you work a miracle? Yeah, I know you can, but turn it around. I need your help right now. Father, sit down for this. Can you sit down? Father, sit down. I need you to sit down for this.
unison. Would you stand to your feet right where you're at? You're at a point of contact right now. What you feel in your spirit right now, that's what a surrendered life looks like to God. Well, this happened to me, T. This happened to me, T. But you realize that when you surrender everything to God, you become a foundation for other people. And it gives them faith, and it gives them hope, and it gives them the choice that they can make on their own to just jump and dive in on their own. So right where you are, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.